Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Hey, Radiant family, we're going to dive right on into the Word of God this morning. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 all the way to the end of the chapter. Um, as you're turning there, let me just read a little bit of the scriptures for today, starting at verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Over the last few weeks, we have re-entered our series on 1 John, and this is a book of the Bible meant to give confidence to the believer and clarity to the unbeliever about what it means to walk with God. And last week, we talked about how righteousness is one of the byproducts of truth. And one of the ways that we can tell whether we are really following God is we are becoming more like Jesus. And today, the author is going to expand on that idea and say, what does it mean to really love one another? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Before we dive into the word, would you just pray with me right now? Father, God, I thank you for this opportunity to just dive into your word in this virtual moment. And although we are gathered virtually, God, you are here for real. And so we, God, we pray that your presence would just work through the word, that it would convict, that it would challenge, that it would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In 1996, a now hit movie came out called Jerry Maguire. Uh, Not just a sports movie, that's actually a pretty good movie. Um, It actually is gonna be illustrative for us today to show us two different kinds of love. For in this one movie, the one actor, Tom Cruise, um, actually demonstrates two different kinds of love for us. Let me tell you the story. Um, See, he was a sports agent, Tom Cruise was, and his life was kind of in disarray. Um, But he had a turning point where he wanted to get everything back together, get the relationships back together. And so he went to his now estranged girlfriend, played by Renee Zellweger, um, and he walked in. He says hello. And although they had broken up, although there had been all kinds of uh, heated exchanges between the two of them, he went into this impassioned apology, uh, saying how sorry he was and how much he needed her back. And now Renee responded to him by saying the now famous lines, you had me at hello. You see, for in that moment, Renee, she wanted the love of just words that he wanted Tom Cruise to just say how he really felt with meaning, intention and passion. That's all that she needed to feel loved. And so she said the lines, you had me at hello. Now, let's contrast that with another version of love that we see in this exact same movie. Um, You see, Tom Cruise plays a sports agent, and one of the athletes that he's being an agent for was played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, Now, some things had happened, and he was on the verge of losing this star athlete in his agency. So he calls Cuba Gooding Jr. and says, hey, how can we make this right? How can I continue to be your agent? And Cuba Gooding Jr. says simply four words. Here's what I need you to do for me. Show me the money. That's another famous line of Tom Cruise in the office screaming at the top of his lungs, show me the money. And in that moment, Cuba Gooding Jr., the athlete, says, you know what? Great. As long as you do that, we're back in business. You're still my agent. Uh, Now, what does that have to do with our text for today? Uh, You see, 
those two iconic lines show two very different images of love. One based off of words that are heartfelt and spoken true. Another one based off of actions. Show me the money and then we're back in business. The reality is you and I have both experienced both of these kinds of love. Um, and if I'm honest, uh, when it comes to me trying to make it right with someone else, I, you know, say I, I mess up and say the wrong thing at home and I need to reconcile with my wife. Uh, well, I want her to give me the you had me at hello type of love in response. I want her to hear my words, passionate pleas and words of apology and say that's enough. But to be fair, when it comes to other people who are apologizing to me and who need to make it right with me, I don't want the you had me a hello type of love. No, I want the show me the money type of love. I hear what you're saying, but show me what you're going to do different. You see, uh, you know, some of us heard the phrase words are cheap, right? Um, I can hear you talking, but I'd love to see you walking, right? I want to show me the proof of what you're saying. And that actually ties in to our text today, because there are lots of folks who say they love God and they love others. But how are we to know? How are we to be clear and certain that this is the love from God, that we are walking with God in this moment? First, the author is going to give us a couple of definitions. Look at verse 11. It says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. Why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, hear the contrast. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Now, the language may sound strong, but John here is using hyperbole and exaggeration to make his point clear that there is the lowest form of relationship with another person is murder. That's that's as low as it gets. That's past disgust, past anger. Murder requires a particular animosity. That's why it even faces a harsher punishment, even in our laws, because to take someone's life requires a different type of hatred and disdain for them that is unimaginable for most people. Even John chapter eight, verse 44, the word of God says that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. You see, he hated all of God's creation, particularly you and I. And so the Bible says that there is a spirit of that murderer, the spirit of Satan, which seeks to not love through actions and love through good deeds, but seeks to treat others as other than. Here the contrast in verse 16, which we read earlier. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? You see, we're still laying down some definitions. And right now, John is telling us the difference between biblical love and worldly hate. You see, between the spectrum of being a murderer, taking someone's life for your own benefit and having Christ like love, laying down your life for others benefit. We find ourselves on a spectrum of walking in relationship with one another. And John is trying to make it clear that on one side of the spectrum is Satan, which seeks to put your comfort, your preferences, yourself over all others, even to the point of taking their life if it benefits you. 
And on the other side of the spectrum, you put others' needs and others' concerns ahead of your own, even to the point of laying down your life for the benefit of someone else. Now, I don't think many of us are on either one of the extremes. I know not not any of us have yet laid down our lives for someone else, and most of us haven't yet taken someone's life, but somewhere on that spectrum, either closer to the the hatred of the devil or closer to the love of Jesus, we find ourselves in every relationship we have. In every relationship, we are somewhere between murder and laying down our life, between a sacrificial love and a selfish relationship. And the word of God is trying to make clear to us which side we should choose. Listen to what the word of God says clearly in verse 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. You see, the reality is the love that God gives, the love that God commands is not the you had me at hello type of love. No, it's the show me the money type of love. You see, that which we feel for God and others should show up in our actions. Oftentimes we confuse how we feel about someone with how we treat someone. I'm going to say that again, I think. I think we confuse how we feel about someone with how we treat someone. I've talked to many husbands and and wives and those in relationships, and they are very eloquent and passionate about their feelings for someone. And yet their actions towards that person are often in conflict. You, You say that you love them, but why do you talk to them that way? You say that you love them, but yet why do you put your needs above theirs? You see, biblical love has proof. Biblical love has proof. There should be fingerprints of our love on another person's life. There should be evidence of our love on another person's life. And that is how we know that we know God. Did you hear the connection? How we treat others is the greatest single indicator of our relationship with God. Let me prove it to you in the scriptures. Verse 20 of 1 John chapter 3. It says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with a bold confidence and we will receive for him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Do you hear the transition already happening? You see, the word of God was just talking about how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we forgive one another, how we care for one another. And now he's bridging the gap to even how God responds to our prayers. It says we will come to him with confidence and receive what we ask because we obey him and do the things that pleases him. What are those things that grants power in our prayer, that grants intimacy in our relationship with Christ? What are the things that God commands us to do that please him? Verse 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of the son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Did you hear the end? We must believe in Jesus and love one another. You see, I believe this passage is the antidote for American Christianity. Now, give me a second. I believe this passage is the antidote for American Christianity. What do I mean by that? 
American Christianity, not every Christian who's an American, but American Christianity as a whole is marked by selfishness. Even in our salvation, we put ourselves at the center. Think about how you share the gospel. Think about how you heard the gospel. Think about how you believe the gospel. God loved you so much that he died for you so that you could enjoy him forever. Although it sounds like it's about God's love for us, who is at the center of that gospel story? You. And many of us not only believe that when it comes to salvation, but we are discipled into that. We think of our spirituality as a private matter when the Bible never says that. It's a personal matter, but it's never a private matter. You see, we think of our relationship with God as separate from our relationship with others. And the word of God today is here to correct us and to remind us that the way we show that we know God is how we love God's creation, principally the people that God loves. You see, when we love God, we will begin to love not just what God loves, sin and righteousness, but who God loves. You see that person at your job that you really can't stand? God loves them. That person in your life who you struggle to forgive? God loves them. That person that's done you wrong so many times, you've lost count and lost track and don't care about them no more. God loves them. And the more you love God and the more God's love is in you, the more you will love not just what he loves, but who he loves. Family, there is a call here to realize that our relationship with God is intrinsically and unescapably connected to our relationship and love that we show to others. Now, there's a practical application for us today. In some Christian circles, um, there is this emphasis on Christian nationalism and waging a cultural war. I've heard leaders and authors and even pastors say that because we are in unusual times, things like love and mercy and forgiveness need to be put to the side because we've got to win this war against culture. We've got to win this war against the, the gender of sexuality and all the agendas of this world. We've got to wage a war using the methods of brutality, using the methods of unforgiveness, using the methods of disdain and disgust. And they're saying that because they believe that this is an unusual time that requires unusual methods. Well, let me tell you this clearly without any equivocation. The word of God is eternal. This moment will pass. The word of God is eternal. This cultural war, this cultural moment, these political ideologies will all pass. And if we allow the eternal word of God to be discarded because of a present circumstance, who are we really following? Are we following God and his word? Are we following our fears and our desires? You see, this is not an unusual time in Christianity. This is the time that the word of God should have been preparing us for to love our enemies and to forgive those and pray for those who spitefully use us and talk against us. That's what God has called us to. And this is our moment not to use the weapons of the warfare of the world, but to use the weapons of warfare of the word of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the weapons that the believer uses not to take over the world, but to engage the world and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Those who obey God's commandments, verse 24, remain in fellowship with him and he 
with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. The word of God right here is connecting the fruit of our love as demonstrated by how we treat one another with the very presence of God in our lives. Do you want to know if you really know Jesus? Do you want to know what it really means to follow Jesus? It means an increasing, not just feeling of love towards others, but increasing actions of love towards others. You see, sometimes we got to lead with our hands and let our heart catch up. Sometimes you got to be nice to that person first before you start to like that person. Sometimes you got to start moving towards them. Sometimes you got to pray for them. Sometimes you got to bring them a lunch on a particular day because your heart isn't in control. You may feel how you feel, but you know, God says what he said. And he said to love them in not just in word only, not just the you had me at hello. I believe your words because they're sincere. No, it's the show me the money type of love. It's the love that has evidence. It's the love that leaves a trace on every relationship that you have. Family, brothers, sisters, believers, now is not the time to engage the world looking like the world. Now was the time to engage the world. I know it's hard. I know there's laws being passed and school districts curriculum being changed. I know it may seem like a dire time, but the word of God is clear that there are some options for the believer that are off the table. There are some options of engaging this world, of engaging those who even hate us. There are some options that we have to take off the table. We have to take bitterness off the table, spite off the table, selfishness off the table. We have to take those things off the table and remember that even in this moment, God's word is clear. Let us not love in word only, but deed, and thereby show that we love God, not in word only, but in deed. Do you know that your relationship with God, the proof, whether that's genuine or not, is the character and the nature of your relationship with other people, especially brothers and sisters in the faith. This is a reminder for us to take seriously the presence that we bring into every relationship, the, the, the attitude that we bring into every relationship, the aroma that's left after every conversation. All those things are the mark of a believer who has received the love of God and is willing to show the love of God. Family, let's be a loving people because we serve a loving God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to get into your word. I pray, God, that you would just seal this truth in our hearts, that we would be people who don't make excuses for not loving people well. God, help us to thread the needle of trying to love people in a broken world. Help us to be discerning. Help us to have boundaries, to protect our hearts, not to push people away. Help us to love others the way you have loved us, even at great cost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.